Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode four of What I'm Cooking for Dinner. For this week's menu, I wanted to challenge myself to cook some recipes from a couple of cookbooks that I haven't used in a while or have never used. There's also a couple of other items thrown in here from other sources, as well as a review of some Trader Joe's products. So for this week, I'm going to be talking about sweet and sour pork ribs with pineapple sauce, Kahlua pork spring rolls from Trader Joe's, purple cauliflower quesadillas with curry crema, lentils with bacon, fish nuggets from Trader Joe's, and poppy seed lemon cake. Let's get started with the sweet and sour pork ribs with pineapple sauce from the Viennese Market Cookbook. Now, I have made several recipes from this cookbook before, and they have all turned out great. I happen to love Vietnamese food, lived near Little Saigon in San Jose, and traveled to Vietnam in 2016. I don't cook Vietnamese food very often, and I want to remedy that, so I decided to try this recipe. For a lot of listeners, the first thing that you may think of when you hear sweet and sour might be the sticky, sweet, eerily electric red sauce with fried pork you get from Americanized Chinese restaurants. This is absolutely not this dish. This is a well-balanced dish of sour, sweet, and savory that is not heavy at all. It is time and labor intensive, um, but I would make it again, but only for a weekend meal. So the recipe calls for water, salt, ginger, pork loin ribs, jiavi, which is a spice mixture um, that is Vietnamese. And if you can't find it, you can make it with two parts sugar, one part sea salt, one part ground black pepper, and one part garlic powder. Fish sauce, lemon juice, apple juice, black pepper, garlic, shallot, vegetable oil, tomatoes, and pineapple. The apple juice inclusion in this recipe definitely threw me off the first time I saw it, but according to the head notes in the recipe, it is there along with the lemon juice to tenderize the meat. The acid in these ingredients along with the acid in the pineapple help to break down the proteins in the meat. However, you don't want to marinate your meat in the lemon and apple juice for too long because it can get mushy eventually. So the first step is to parboil and then simmer your ribs for about 10 to 15 minutes. Now you may be wondering why parboil your ribs? There are several different reasons why you might want to do this before cooking any ribs, not just for this recipe. Because ribs are a fatty cut of meat, by parboiling the ribs, you're rendering some of that surface fat out, as well as shortening your cooking time later and making the inner skin of the ribs easier to remove. Then you're going to marinate your ribs in a mixture of javi, fish sauce, lemon juice, apple juice, pepper, garlic, and shallot for about 20 minutes. While that's marinating, you're going to make the garlic oil that you'll fry your ribs in. <laughs> you're already exhausted listening to me talk about this recipe. I told you it's labor and time intensive, but it's definitely worth taking the time for each of these steps. After you've discarded the garlic and left that delicious garlic infused oil in the pan, you're going to fry up your ribs, making sure to brown on each side for about five to seven minutes. Once that's done, you're going to make the sauce for the tomatoes and shallots. Make sure that you remove those ribs from the, from the pan. And after the tomatoes have softened, you'll add your parboiled browned ribs to the sauce again and simmer covered for about 45 minutes. When you have about 15 minutes of cook time left is when you'll add your pineapple. You will also want to taste the sauce and add more fish sauce or sugar according to your taste. I ended up cooking my ribs for about an hour and they were incredibly tender without being mushy. I loved this dish so much. My kids enthusiastically devour the ribs, which they had never had ribs before, and I was a little dubious about them liking meat on the bone, but I think that they were kind of into the novelty of it. And even my husband, who is a self, like self-avowed rib hater, liked these ribs. So 
So I really love a meal that, where I can please everyone. And this is gonna be a definite keeper for us. And I serve these along with a green salad, some white rice, and the Kahlua pork spring rolls from Trader Joe's. Now, I love trying new Trader Joe's products, and I know that not all of them are going to be winners. I've had some especially heinous Trader Joe's products like watermelon jerky, the Thai vegetable pot stickers, dried white peaches, but I honestly think this might be the worst product from Trader Joe's I have ever eaten. It is actually up there with the worst food I have ever eaten. It was soggy, mushy, too salty, and the smoking flavor that was in there was disgustingly artificial and for the lack of a better word, chemically tasting. One of the kids looked at it, said she would eat the wrapper and then made an icky face and put it back down. And my kids normally don't react that way to food. So I highly recommend not buying this product from Trader Joe's. All right, so next up we have the purple cauliflower quesadillas from the Berkeley Bowl cookbook. And this is the last cookbook that I purchased and I bought it because I thought the cover was really pretty and I was feeling nostalgic for the Bay Area. And even though I bought this a couple of years ago, I've never actually made anything from it because I was a little bit intimidated by the ingredients. So I decided I needed to cook something from it and I went with this recipe because I knew I could find the ingredients or at least approximations and because we all like quesadillas in our house. We know we're going to eat it and it's really quick and easy to cook. So this recipe calls for one head of purple cauliflower, olive oil, salt, sour cream, curry powder, turmeric, lime juice, corn tortillas, Oaxaca cheese, and queso fresco. I did end up making some substitutions based on availability. I did my shopping at Trader Joe's this last week and they didn't have purple cauliflower. No surprise there. So I just got a regular head of white cauliflower. And the only containers of sour cream they had there were gigantic. So I got a container of creme fraiche instead. You could also use actual Mexican crema as a substitute or probably even yogurt if you like that. And I used whole grain wheat tortillas instead of corn. And I used mozzarella cheese instead of Oaxaca cheese because Trader Joe's didn't have Oaxaca cheese. And these are really similar products though, they're not equivalent. And then I ended up using feta instead of queso fresco. Now this substitution is a little more dubious than using mozzarella as a substitution for Oaxaca cheese as feta is far saltier than queso fresco, which is a rather mild, fresh cheese. But I thought it would pair nicely with the mozzarella and the cauliflower. So this is a really straightforward meal that can be made in about half an hour on a weeknight. Uh, the first thing that you're gonna do is cut up your cauliflower into small pieces and saute them. I like to cut up my cauliflower really finely because I didn't want really big chunks of cauliflower in my quesadilla, and I also wanted them to cook really nicely. Now you can leave the chunks a little bit bigger if you like want more like of a crunch in your quesadilla or if you really like the taste of cauliflower. So I ended up using about half a head of cauliflower for this recipe, but you could use more or less depending on how much you like cauliflower. Uh, then I assembled the quesadillas with the shredded mozzarella cheese and the crumbled up feta and you know, I have to spread them up in a cast iron skillet. And you can, as you cook these, you can keep them warm, actually the cooked ones in your oven if you preheat it to about 200 degrees and just put them on a baking sheet to keep them warm in there. And then while your quesadillas are frying up, you're going to make your curry crema. And so you're gonna mix the lime juice with the crema, or in this case, the creme fraiche, and your curry powder and the turmeric and some salt and you're good to go. Uh, my husband really, really loved the curry crema. I could 
probably leave it. I wasn't actually that big into it. I had mine with some salsa instead. Um, but we really loved this dish, even though the kids totally picked the cauliflower out of the quesadilla. But um, Al and I really liked it with the cauliflower in it. And I also added some of the leftover rib meat uh, that we had from the uh, sweet and sour pork ribs with pineapple sauce into mine. All right, so next up is lentils with bacon from the traditional German cookbook that I got as a, that was a cast off from my mother-in-law. And I chose this recipe because it was frankly one of the more appealing book ones from the book and one of the recipes that I could easily make for a weeknight meal. This recipe calls for green lentils, beef stock, potatoes, vinegar, sugar, salt, black pepper, speck or bacon, onions, and parsley. I almost always have lentils on hand because they taste great, they're cheap, and they're filling. It doesn't say what kind of potatoes to use, so I went ahead and used some baby yellow ones that I had, uh, but I think you could use whatever potatoes that you have on hand. I think that they're probably asking for something larger, like probably more along the lines of a russet because it does say like call for two potatoes. Um, for the vinegar, I used apple cider vinegar, but I think you could use a plain white vinegar here. And I used bacon instead of speck because I don't know if I can find speck here in Southern Oregon, and they certainly don't have it at Trader Joe's. Now, speck can refer to a couple of different products depending on what region you're talking about. In German cooking such as this, speck is, for, is pork fat with or without meat on it, and in Italy, speck refers to a type of prosciutto. All right, so making this recipe, you're going to take a heavy bottom get saucepan and cook the lentils at the beef stock for about 45 minutes. Now, I'm reading this directly from the cookbook. It doesn't say what kind of cooking to do for 45 minutes. Are you boiling them? Are you simmering them? So I just went ahead and I simmered them and that was the right step to take. Then add the potatoes and cook for a further 15 minutes. Okay, at this point, this tasted really, really good. I mean, and it, this is so simple. It's just lentils, beef stock, and potatoes. Um, but this is why I love lentils. I think they're really delicious. And then I added the vinegar and the sugar. And I shouldn't have. Uh, because what turned from a plain but really delicious meal got really weird to me. Um, this calls for three tablespoons of sugar. And lentils should not be sweet. I just really didn't like the sweetness in this. And I wonder if it would have been a little different if I had used plain white vinegar instead of apple cider vinegar, which is a little on the sweeter side. But still, I think that next time that I would make this, I might leave out both the vinegar and the sugar, or maybe just the sugar. I'd like to try it with just the vinegar because I don't mind a little bit of sour, but the sweet just, I feel like had no place in this recipe at all. Now, I did really like the bacon and the onions in it because you cook up the onions and the bacon fat and bacon is delicious. And that kind of added some more savory, salty elements to it that we really needed after adding all that sugar. Uh, and I did eat a lot of this. It was still really good. I just think it would have been a lot better without that sugar in it. And I cooked this along with some Trader Joe's fish nuggets, um, which are really delicious and kid pleasing and something fun to have around once in a while. 
and they like eating them with lots of ketchup and actually kind of, I do too. So, and I think we also had a, this was some salad greens and some baby carrots. All right. So next up we have the poppy seed lemon cake from Smitten Kitchen. Now I love all things poppy seed and I have a metric ton of poppy seeds in my cupboard right now. I wanted to use these up because they're a couple of years old and they do grow rancid after some time. Now with most of your seeds um, or nuts, you're going to want to store them in a dark, cool place or in your freezer. Um, I always, I store mine in my pantry, which is my closet, and I store them in, you know, jars that usually have labels so they're not getting as much light. You just really don't want them to be warm or getting direct sunlight or be next to your oven, okay? You don't want these getting warm. That's going to cause the oils to go rancid a lot faster, okay? And the, really the best place probably is going to be in your freezer. Um, so I also had a couple of lemons, so I thought that this would be the perfect recipe. So this recipe is a Genois type cake. And a Genois is a cake that you only uses eggs for leavening, and there are no chemical leavening agents in this. So you probably look at this recipe and be like, what? <laughs> What's going on with this recipe? There's no leaveners in it. Um, it also has melted butter in it. And while this recipe didn't ask for it, I know from my previous extensive baking experience with poppy seeds that you do want to soak them in something warm. Usually you soak them in milk and also usually you grind them first. Uh, they actually make special poppy seed grinders in Central Europe uh, that are specifically for grinding poppy seeds because that's really what's going to release their flavor. I know that a lot of people in America think that poppy seeds don't really have a flavor, but they actually really do. It's just that we don't know how to cook with them here. Um, so when I added my poppy seeds, I actually put them into the butter when I was melting it. And that's going to help release uh, their flavor. I didn't grind them for this recipe though because I don't have a specialized poppy seed grinder or frankly any kind of grinder. So this cake uh, does call for a whopping eight egg yolks and one whole egg. This used up the rest of the eggs in our house and we buy eggs, uh, we buy a dozen and a half eggs at a time because we really like eggs and they're super cheap here in Oregon. And it's a little ridiculous and now I'm stuck with a massive amount of egg whites in my freezer to use up. So here's the thing, when you're separating eggs and you have a recipe that only calls for egg yolks, you can freeze egg whites. It's actually a really good uh, way to take care of them. You can put them in your ice cube tray and then freeze them and then, you know, just kind of pop them into a bag and now you've got egg whites on hand and you can defrost those and use them for meringues or anything else that requires you to use only egg whites. I happen to like egg white omelets. I know some people don't, but that's probably what I'm going to end up using mine for. It also has very little flour, a half a cup and a huge amount of cornstarch, which is a half a cup. And this is uh, to approximate cake flour, which is a lower protein flour that also has some cornstarch mixed in it. And cake flour is going to give you a more tender crumb because of that less protein and therefore less gluten development. And this cake ended up so dry, despite the fact that it had two whole sticks of butter in it. And I also couldn't taste the lemon in it despite using the zest of two whole lemons. And I think the suggested bake time of 45 minutes was far too long in my oven, even though my oven tends to run on the colder side. The cake was beautiful with the poppy seeds perfectly dispersed, 
and I used my favorite Nordic Ware Bunt Tin, which makes gorgeous cakes. And I also like that the cake was not too sweet. I just think it would benefit from either a shorter bake time or perhaps a lemon syrup soak. I would also add more lemon zest and perhaps some lemon extract. And I do understand that this cake is supposed to be more forward on the poppy flavor, flavor but I honestly couldn't taste any lemon in it. All right, so that wraps up this week's episode. So we talked about sweet and sour pork ribs with pineapple sauce from the Vietnamese Market Cookbook, Kahlua pork spring rolls from Trader Joe's, purple cauliflower quesadillas with curry crema from the Berkeley Bowl Cookbook, lentils and bacon from German traditional cooking, fish nuggets from Trader Joe's, and poppy seed lemon cake from Smitten Kitchen. All right, I hope you enjoyed it. Bye.